Previously on Unpacked. And it said heroin death sentence. Put me in a truck, uh, not knowing where I was going. Large Yale Human Correctional Institution. You're not having normal pain, you're having contractions. This is prison. This is not South Africa. Remember, you're fighting for your life and for your child's life. That's what I'm leaving you with. Felicia Goosen was born in prison after her mother, Vanessa Goosen, was imprisoned in Thailand. They were reunited again after 13 years of separation. This is part two of the conversation. Let's unpack. So that was the birth, and then I stayed there for two weeks in the hospital, then they moved me back to the room with the small space and she next to me. Um, so your baby then ended up being next to you in the prison in the same, same? circumstances. Same. You just had to learn to raise her there. Were you able to breastfeed in prison? Uh, yes, but she didn't want to drink on me because I didn't eat properly. Mm. You know, so she completely no. She said no. How, how do you feel, Felicia, listening to your mom share the story? I mean, it's not news to you, but how, how does it feel listening to her speaking about it? It, it sounds new every time. Yeah. I think I've heard it over 100 times. Or yeah. It's just like, wow, this actually happened. Yes, yes, it, yes. It, it's reality and just the strength And how, it. how does it make you feel? Currently, it still moves me. Mm. Um, more compassion. It used to, I used to feel anger. Why? Because why us? Mm. But then the healing journey I went through and I found healing and what we're doing with our lives mm. and what we came from is more important than what happened. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it brings a lot of um, healing, brings a lot of reassurance that nothing's impossible mm. and that with faith and with belief and believing in yourself, we continue and we have this life now to live. I mean, you obviously don't have memories of the time you were in prison uh, with mom, but when, at, at what point in your life did you become aware that those were the circumstances? I actually do have memories. You do have memories yes. in prison, okay. <laughs> yes, so those only came when I was 19 years old. Yes. So it was blocked out Wow. below 19. Hmm. And at 19 years old, um, so I always knew about the circumstance because hmm. my foster parents told me. And I did go to Thailand a few times. It's like three, four times. Hmm. I so maybe maybe then share with me, you were born and how long uh, did you were you living in the prison with mom for? Three years. Mm-hmm. Then on my third birthday, can you correct me if I'm wrong? Mm -hmm. On my third birthday, um, my mother's best friend, Melanie, and husband and the daughter came to fetch me. So what is the rule in Thailand, uh, in the Thai prisons, in terms of how long your child can be with you? Uh, that was three years. But then they changed the policy from three years to one year. So she went two and a half years old. They told me she needs to go. If she doesn't go, they're going to put in an orphanage in Thailand. Yes. So that is why I had to make preparations for her to go. And also because she was speaking Thai. Yes. So I had to tell her, prepare her, that she's going to leave me. Mm. And I had to deal with it first. Mm. And, and then get it to her because I, I couldn't cope with it. Mm. That she actually have to leave. And then preparing her that she was going to go. 
it, it, it was very difficult, it was very hard, but then I had to realize that um, this is not a place for a child. I'll be selfish mm. if I want to keep her there because of me. But she needs to be in a normal environment mm. um, to be able to, uh, to be raised uh, normally and not in a place like that. And mm. what helped me to understand that was really God, eh? Mm. Because I did not really understand that one. And I mean, uh, how did you choose the people that were going to take her in? Um, you know, my best friend, um, she have a baby that's the, the same age as Felicia mm. Morley. They are two weeks apart or something, two months? No, um, she's in February. Okay, they're a few months apart. Mm. And then she contacted me because she was my best friend. Mm. Um, and she said to me, you know what? Uh, because I have a daughter that's the same age as your daughter and that by your mom, there's no small children. Mm. And I think it would be best if me and my husband come and take her. Mm. And I said, no, go and speak to my mom first, which they did. And so they flew over to come and get her. Mm. So that also was for me just a miracle because she was so excited to go to South Africa because I was speaking Thai to her mm. and I was telling her, um, uh, Chan Pai Africa Thai, meaning you're going to South Africa. And, and I was explaining to her, uh, she's going to have toys and, you know, she's going to shower in warm water because we shower outside in cold water. Mm. Um, and I was trying to paint this beautiful picture for mm. South Africa and she was so excited to go to South Africa. But the day that she had to leave, 15 minutes before the time she had to leave, she decided she was on the other side with my friend playing with her daughter. Mm. And then she sat on the other side and she looked at me and she said to me, uh, to the guard, she looked at the, uh, the guard and she said to the guard, but too, meaning open the gate. And then I looked at her and I said to her, tamai, tamai, but too. Why you want to open the gate? And she said to me, Chan uh, by Africa meaning I'm not going to South Africa anymore. Mm. I looked at her and I was like, she came in, she came to sit down. And now I'm standing there. What I feared is happening. Now I'm freaking out. Mm. I don't know what to do. I started hyperventilating like I was going to have an anxiety attack. And then the warden came, the prison, uh, uh, the guard came, prison guard came. And she said to me in Thai, and she said to me, don't you dare break down in front of your child. Mm. That was she was so that kind of, but you know mm. how difficult it is to suppress your emotions. I mm. felt like I had this, this, um, this knot in my chest and it's like I'm struggling to breathe and mm. I felt like I was gonna collapse. Mm. And as I'm standing there, I started to shake. And, and inside of me, I just, I couldn't even say a proper prayer. All I could say, it's like, you know, Jesus, just, just, just help me. Please, just, mm. just help me. Mm. That's all I could say. I couldn't do anything. I was just shaking because I felt I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And then the, in the next minute, it, you know, she jumped down. She looked at me and she said to me, okay, Chan by Africa Thai, but man, you talk my little Meaning, I will go to South Africa, but you have to come soon. Mm. So I didn't know what to say because I don't know when I'm coming home. So I look at her and I said to her, okay, man, talk my little Your mother will come soon. Mm. You know, and then she went out. And I felt like I couldn't. I went on my knees. I held on to the bars. And I just couldn't hold the tears mm. anymore. I was struggling. And then it just started rolling down my tears. And then she came through the bar. And she had a, a piece of tissue. And she wiped my tears through the bar. And she said to me, Me, me tong long. Mother, don't cry. You tong ma You will come soon. Mm. This three-year-old strengthened me. Mm. You know, so that kind of made me to just calm down a little bit. But when she left and I heard her scream outside because she'd never seen a dog, she'd never seen men. 
So she completely freaked out. Mm. And I'm inside, the doors are locked. There's She's screaming outside, do. nothing I can do. You know the different screams of a child. Mm. And that was a panic scream. It reminded me when I got arrested the first day. And then I was just thinking like, what, is she, what she must be going through? Mm. And I just felt like my heart was ripped in two. And mm. I just fell right there and I just cried my heart out. So, so what was your earliest then childhood memory? My earliest child memory at 19 was the smells, the feeling of leaving that day from the prison. Then I understood, because as a 19-year-old, I couldn't deal with it. Mm. Mm. So I was like, that three-year-old? Mm. You know, what did that three-year-old go through that it was so traumatic, I probably blocked it out. Mm. Mm. So at 19, when things were going on, and already I was suffering depression, um, anxiety, disorder. I had like chronic pain mm. constantly and the memories decided to come out, mm. Mm. <laughs> come back. And I just couldn't cope. I couldn't go to university. I wasn't washing, I wasn't eating. Mm. I was just laying there and I've been suicidal most of my life. Mm. And then that time I was like, okay, this time better work. Yes, yes. Better work. And I didn't want to sleep. So I wasn't sleeping. So one day I just allowed myself to feel and think about it, but I couldn't do it on my own. What do you think you were most afraid of in terms of revisiting those memories? The truth. Hmm. I was afraid of the truth because um, I lived my life pretending that that's not my life. In, in what sense? So, for example, um, people would see that I'm not the same as the family I was with. Yes. Um, so there was a lot of questions. Yes. Um, so I was like, no, my mother's on business. And I would show mm. pictures because there was a lot of pictures where um, I think it was Photoshop. <laughs> Sorry, let me just cut it there. I want to tell something funny. When I said to her, when you go to school and they ask you, where's your mom? What are you going to say? She said, uh, I said, no, I said, what are you going to say? But please don't tell them that your mother is in, in prison. Mm. She said, no. I won't tell them you're in prison. I'm going to tell them you're in jail. And I get that being in a, um, a space where sometimes you don't want those conversations, so it's easier to say something else. Yes, and to trust people and to actually know what it is. Because I would carry this mask. Hmm. I would be the smiley, happy person, but no one actually knew what was going on. I would constantly be there for people. Hmm. And when I got home, just close my door, cry. Um, in terms of how often you were visiting mom from the time that you left the prison at three? I think probably three times. Three times? And uh, yeah. you came out when she was how old? She was 16. 16. Yeah. So you only saw her three times. How, yeah. how, how did, what did that actually do to you? It was difficult. She couldn't really understand. Um, when she came back the first time after she left me, uh, she struggled. She had to see a, a psychologist, a child psychologist, because she couldn't walk. And it mm. even affected her when she was at high school. Mm. Many times we had to go pick her up, she couldn't walk. She will drive, she have to call, she can't drive. Her legs doesn't move. <sighs> so we had a lot of problems with her legs. And, and the doctor, we went to the hospital and they say her nerves and things. But when she came back after she left the first time, it was so hard for me. It's difficult. Uh, because the... She usually would, because she was born, they would allow her to come in and sit next to me. Mm. But you know, we have different uh, officials. Mm. You have the nasty ones, 
and then the ones who's just being deliberately nasty. Mm. So when she came and she just decided, no, you're not going into your mother. Uh, so she had to sit on the other side and she couldn't understand why she couldn't come into me. And I'm trying to tell this officer, what is wrong with you? Mm. Um, and, and she's like, midai, midai, midai. No, 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 no. So then she didn't understand. Mm. So I said, and, and then she turned her back towards me. And then Melanie was asked her, why are you turning your back towards your mother? She said to her, I don't want to speak to her. You know how that hit me? She didn't even call me anything. She called me her. Mm. And, and then she said, because I don't want her to come in to sit next to me. Mm. So, and she was how old at the time? Um, I think she was like, were you five, six? six. She was yeah. five, six. And then she refused to speak to me. This girl was so angry with me. So they had like the bars were like this small. Mm. And I pushed my hand through it, and it was blue, blue, because just to touch her hand mm. so she can just understand it's not my fault. Mm. I can't, they don't allow her to come in. And it's, it's hard because a child of that age, it's like the circumstances are not facilitating for you to explain to her, exactly. and the circumstances are not in a way that she can understand. Mm. Do you remember, and I mean, I, I think... I'm starting to get a better understanding. You've had some of these struggles that you've already mentioned. What are the other struggles that you think this whole experience actually created for you? Um, trust. Mm. Couldn't trust people. Um, constantly disappointed. I felt that I needed to be strong all the time. So not acknowledging how I'm feeling, not wanting help. I don't like people touching me. I don't like... Um, I, I, I struggled a lot with people mm. in general. Mm. Being social, well, I'm still, I'm better. Mm. <laughs> being social and being, but I always valued honesty. Mm. I valued integrity. And I would have to build a very close relationship with someone to actually tell them. But I've never told people what I really felt. Mm. But I just said, no, my mother's actually in prison with close friends. Mm. And then my parents would tell my close group of friends their parents because there's a lot of questions. Mm. And I think also with um, school. So every time I go to school, they would ask these questions about your parents. Yes, and your family. Your family. And it would be very hard for me. I dreaded those days. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you'd go, they would ask, so you get discount or funding if you are a foster child. Yes. At school. Yes. So there's always that aspect mm. as well. Mm. So there's always feeling like I never fit in, like I don't belong. And I always questioned why me? Mm. 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 Why is it that I have to go through this? But I had a very good friend. Mm. But I was suffering. Mm. On the inside. I was, I was really suffering. Mm. And I held it together. When I look back now, I, I was like, wow, I was, in this, I was strong, so I had the best coping skills that I could at that moment mm. to survive. Mm. And I did, thankfully, <laughs> a few times. And it was mostly the feeling of there's no place for me. Mm. I don't belong. I have a family that loves me, but I also felt that I had to do things to stay. And it wasn't that, like that. It was never like that. They loved me as their own. They mm. treated me well. They'd done the best they could. But myself, I knew that this is not my family. I knew that so when they'd ask me to do something, I would not give attitude. 
Mm. I thought I had to work to uh, earn my I stay. Get it completely. Yeah. 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 And I would always um try to make side money selling things. So in case I needed something, I, mm. I would I would be afraid to ask. Can so you, you never felt settled, you never felt grounded, you never felt like, okay, this is home. And that makes complete sense because yes. many people say home is where the mom is. So where would you say you are today? I mean, there's there's so many questions I have, but we just wouldn't even have the time. I would want to know about, you know, so many of your experiences in prison and for you in terms of, you know, your memories of having to revisit there. But where, you know, with all of that now having happened and it's in the past, where are you today? Um, currently, I am a youth wellness counsellor. Mm. So I decided that because of I wanted someone to help me. Mm. I was crying out for help in my way, mm. as in behavior, mm. but no one heard it. Mm. No one stopped and no one helped me. Mm. And I want to be that voice. I want to be that ear for young people. So that's why I decided to study psychology and child and youth development mm. and pursued my studies. And now I'm youth, a youth wellness counselor in private practice. Mm. And I have a lot of workshops that help young people find who they are. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, self-love and self-acceptance is the most important thing for me mm. because that was my struggle. I was categorized and labeled with so many things. Mm. It's either child born in prison mm. or foster kid or rebellious or depressed girl, mm. suicidal girl, just so many things. And I had to find out who I am mm. Mm. and accept my story. Mm. and go for the help that I needed. So I went for year counseling Mm. that helped me actually revisit and helped me bond with that little girl because I rejected her. I was like, nope, that's not me. And it took a year and it was very hard to actually accept it. Mm. And I did. And two years ago, it actually marked two years yesterday where I went to Thailand. I went Mm. back to the prison. I went back. As an adult? Yes. Wow. And how, how was that? It was scary, <laughs> but it felt like home. Why was it enough. important for you to go back there? Closure. Mm. And there were certain memories that I knew that could only be provoked by exposure. Mm. So that's what I've done. Because when you don't remember a big part of your life, I felt like a lot of people would look back and know but that that part was missing. And I went back and it triggered everything. Was it extremely emotional? Very emotional. Um, I, I'm still currently actually working through it because mm. I still haven't spoken about my Thailand experience. But now through processing it, I, I'm now at a place to talk about it. What, what would you say is a standout moment of that experience, good or bad, your Thailand experience? It was good because... I hated the place. Mm. <laughs> I blamed Thailand. I blamed the people. I blamed. But when I went there and I met the people that knew me since I was a kid, mm. I went to say thank you for the support, especially mm. this old couple, Mr. and Mrs. Holmes. They are 93. And just to say thank you just before, you know, they go or mm. just to know that what you've done for us, I appreciate it. Look at my life now mm. and just continue to do what you are doing. Mm. And with them, and I met so many people that in my life I felt that I wasn't important. Mm. People didn't love me. But I realized there's so many people who love me. Mm. I think that was the turnaround for me in Thailand. 
Mm-hmm. That it wasn't only one person or two. It's a multitude of people. And so many people that were in prison got healed through me going to Thailand. Yes. yes. And that was the highlight that our experiences, yes, it's painful. But sometimes it's to encourage others. Can you still well. speak Thai? No, I only know the basics. Yes, <laughs> but you can still speak it. Yes, I still do. And, and who do you communicate in Thai with? I, I still have, um, uh, you know, friends that I've met in the prison. Mm. And because we started the church in prison. Mm. So because I had to learn Thai to, to, to tell people about Jesus, mm. uh, which was a very hard struggle for me. But um, that is how we started building a church, which was, we were persecuted as well. Uh, but to see they're still outside and how they well they're doing and... Um, so they, we, I just get calls and things like that. And I still meet like Thai people here. And even when I travel around and I minister in different churches, mm. I do meet Thai people as well. So, yeah, but mostly I do speak to um, calls that mm. I speak to people that I know in Thailand. Mm. Yes. Mm. Hey, did you ever go back to the prison after your release? No, um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> is it, is it um, um, not something that you see, feel the need to do? Now, I would love to go back to the prison, you know, for those girls that are in there to give them hope mm. and to be able to use their time wisely while they are there, you mm. know, and to learn if you still struggle with your hatred, your unforgiveness, your bitterness, it's going to keep you behind and it's going to destroy you. Yeah. Uh, but just the fact that going to Thailand and if they could just, because I, I have a record in Thailand, not mm. in South Africa, mm. uh, they will tear me apart. Mm. And I don't think I want to do that to myself. I understand. You know, that is the reason. But I would love to because I started going to prisons here in South Africa. Mm. And just to give hope and to to speak to, you know, uh, to to the inmates in in South Africa. So um, just so that everybody understands, how is it that you eventually got released early? Uh, It's due to the king's... uh, His birthday is on the 5th of December. Mm. So when it is his birthday, he would sometimes give amnesty, mm. which would reduce the sentences, but according to different cases. Um, like the, the murder cases, their sentence was always reduced half, and they would always get amnesty every time the king gives amnesty. Mm. But for drug cases, very seldom, very hard, they give us the least. Mm. So I received uh, four amnesties, from the King of Thailand. I went to first court, I got a death sentence that was commuted to life. I went to second court, they gave me life again. So I appealed for third court. So when I went to third court, my sentence was reduced to 35 years. Mm. So, and the amnesties, I got four amnesties, which reduced my sentence over the years. Uh, So in 2009, Mm. Thailand is using a different year. Um, So, but in our year, it was 2009, mm. that uh, I needed one more amnesty. So then I got another amnesty, the fifth amnesty from the King of Thailand. So he reduced my sentence with two years. Mm. So in 2009, 2010, I already was 16 years in prison. Yeah. So my sentence was reduced to 18 years and a few months. And then the two years reduced it to 16 years, six months, and 16 days. I don't know what was up with those sixes, but at least that is how I was able to return back home to South Africa. When you got the news that you were being released, uh, what did that feel like and how did you react? Um, I wasn't sure because I didn't trust the Thai people. They have Mm. released many wrong people and bring Mm. them back. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was just like, I had to contact my embassy. I had to make sure that they have it on paper to make sure that they know that I am really going home. Yes. Um, and they even tried for me to have a parole in Thailand. I was the first foreigner that has tried to have a parole. Wow. So, um, so that you would have been forced to actually stay in Thailand. In Thailand, yeah. yeah. So, um, so when the embassy came and they did check and made sure, I said, make sure. And only when they gave me my ID card and my, my sentence changed on my ID card, then I believed it. Mm. And I was very excited. I couldn't believe it. And when the news got home, uh, they didn't believe because every year I tell them I'm coming home. So they were mm. like, is this this one of those years? But uh, when they actually got the news that I am coming home, my friend Melanie Holmes, who raised Felicia, she was very excited. And what she was concerned about was that, please, when you come home, don't take your daughter away from me. I said, I don't know her. I had to learn. We need to bond. We need to learn of each other. So you are the only one who can help us do that. Mm. I said, no, she says she's the light in my life. Mm. That's how she put it. But unfortunately, just a f uh, few weeks before my release, um, I got the bad news that uh, my best friend at 37 years old who raised her had a pain in her chest, went to the hospital and never came back. She died oh, of a heart attack. No. And I just could not understand that. Mm. I'm about to come home. She was supporting me. She was there for me. And now that I'm coming home, she, she passed away. Oh. I'm like, how? What happened? And not That's even, such a sad turn of events. That is. That what, was, what, what did that do to you? <laughs> it's like you lose one, gain the other. You have to lose the other to gain the other one. Mm. So I just, it's something that you just can't understand. Mm. So, I mean, and, and, and I think you, you've worded it correctly. It feels like, like you couldn't have both yeah. uh, uh, ever. You had to lose one to get the other. There's always something. What was your reuniting like? Did you guys meet up at the airport? Yes, we did. Uh, but first, uh, I was released on the 30th of October and her birthday is on the 31st of October. Mm. And, um, and this is something I prayed about, that on her birthday when she turned 16, I would like to wish her happy birthday. Mm. And that came to pass because the embassy came in and I could use um, my friend's phone, and the embassy, sorry. The embassy called her and um, now I've never seen a cell phone. So I can laugh now, it wasn't funny then. But um, she gave me and she said, you can talk now. So I'm holding it like this when I talk. And when I listen, I put it here, oh. you know? And she's like, you don't have to do that. But I was shaking. I couldn't really speak. And all I could hear on the other side from her, I, 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 I want to wish her happy birthday, but I was struggling. And all I could hear from her was that, um, oh my God, oh my God, she couldn't talk. And I couldn't, I started shaking. All I could say is, I just want to say happy birthday, you know, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't speak. Um, yeah, that was, but when I was on my way to South Africa, I only felt safe when I was up in the air. I was just like, that's, now I feel safe. Because you're then worried that at any moment they're they going to They can come and say mind. they made a mistake. Uh, yeah. That's when I could really actually cry and just breathe. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, I'm really going home. Yeah. So when we were close to South Africa, I kept on asking the Eustis, like, how far am I, how far am I? And I don't know what she was thinking, but it's like an hour. And, and when she say half an hour, I started hyperventilating. I started having like a panic attack. Yeah. But I, I taught myself how to control it and mm. doing my breathing. Uh, 
So when I landed, and uh, I was just like, I wasn't ready. I was just mm -hmm. like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And um, so there was newspapers there, and I was just like, I don't think I can handle this. You know, mm -hmm. if they could only have one newspaper inside, that's fine. But I can't handle everybody. I can't. I just, and I didn't want to go through. Then mm -hmm. uh, she called, and she said to me, um, I can't, what, something like, it's finished. Something like that. That's, you finish, it's finished. And so when I went through those gates, it was, whew, that was difficult. Mm. That was so difficult. Because number one, I didn't see my friend there. I mm. saw her husband and their children with her. My family was there, my friends was there, and then my sister. She passed a few weeks after my friend. She also died of a heart attack. Oh, wow. So it was just like... Overwhelming. Uh, overwhelming, really. What's your relationship like today? It's really good. Mm. It's really good. Is, is it feeling like mother-daughter or is it feeling like friendship? What, what does the relationship feel like? I think for me, it feels like friendship. Mm. Mm. It feels like friendship. We have a good understanding and we're still getting to know each other mm. more and more. Because it's been how many years now of you being back home and you guys years? being 10 years? 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Mm. Oh, it was difficult, eh? Very difficult. We just didn't get along. We couldn't mm. be together. She, because I, I minister in churches, so mm. I go around and then this one day I took her with me and, and I asked her if there's something she want to share. <laughs> she got up there, she said, I hate you. <laughs> wow. I said that? <laughs> yes. She said, she said, I hate you, actually. And she said, she can't forgive me. Mm. And, and, and then I was just, I was happy she said that. Because, you know, healing comes from within. And you can only deal with things when you actually confront it and mm. you, you, you're not in denial. So I was happy she said yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I started asking her questions and she said, I can't forgive you because you kept on saying you're coming home and you never oh. did for 16 years. I yeah. waited. Yeah. I waited for my birthday. I waited. Do you remember now? I waited oh. for my birthday. I waited for Christmas. I waited and you never came. Mm. So that healing took place on a church platform. And maybe that's where, maybe, you know, it needed God in the mix. <laughs> Which was uh, good. But you guys are okay now. You're working yeah, on your relationship. Much better. You, you, um, you know, with the type of work that you're doing are in a much better place. You are in your ministry. Are you in a better place? Much better. Also doing the motivational. Yes. So uh, when I started the motivational, I struggled. I would get anxiety attacks because uh, I have agencies, so the different companies, I travel different companies. And I was just saying, because there's something you learn in prison is that you push through. Mm. No matter what, no matter how hard or difficult it is, you're going to come to the other side. If you don't push through, you'll never make it. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. so that is something that was instilled in me. Mm. So I would get anxiety attacks right there. And that is how I got my healing yeah. through yeah. the motivational speaking. Do you, do you think that um, there's anything you want to share with the viewers watching that maybe they don't know about your story? They don't know about my story. Maybe the part where I felt like a mistake for mm -hmm. most of my life until the age of 19. And I realized that I'm not. I've never been and I never will be. Mm. And that our stories is part of who we are. Mm. And healing from it will just benefit us so much. Mm. Instead of living in that pain and not using the time that's ahead. Mm. And that if it's not dealt with, 
you won't be able to be content, to be happy and loving every part of yourself with things that you don't like as loving, accepting and embracing. Mm. I'm honestly so joyful. I love my life. I have compassion mm. and I just love. Thank you so much. much for that. Anything you want uh, viewers to know that they may not already know about your oh, story? What I want to say, what I've learned is that trust. Mm. Uh, it was very difficult to trust people and trust myself. Mm. Um, I struggled to make decisions uh, because I didn't trust my decision. Mm. I always had to like depend on somebody and I would really make triple so. If I saw one lawyer, I want to see two more lawyers mm. to make sure that I'm making the right decision mm. because mm. of the decision I make where I end up. Mm. So I was so scared of making a decision of anything until I, I got like all the information so I can make an informed decision. Mm. So it really took me some time to really begin to trust me. And that's where God helped me mm. in that regard. And also trusting people. Mm. Um, I've learned that you must be careful who you trust. Mm. Trust caused me to end up in that situation. Mm. So it is really because when I would have talks, I had young women coming up to me to say, thank you for sharing because you know what? I was about to carry drugs. Mm. I was about to do favors. I take so many favors, took a package for somebody from here to give there, not knowing what's inside the package. Mm. So mm. I just want to say thank you. So be careful who you trust. That's the mm. one thing. The other thing is forgiveness. Mm. We all are going through so many things. We face so many things. There's hurt, there's pain, there's anger, there's uh, some have some maybe been raped. Uh, mistreated, been a lot of things. So people are sitting with a lot of hurt, with a lot of pain, with a lot of anger. And something that I've learned in prison that I fell in such a deep depression. I suffered from depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. Mm. I nearly, uh, it nearly took my life because I was hospitalized. Mm. I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk, I couldn't eat. I was so skinny and I gave up on life. Mm. Uh, and that was caused by my anger by my hatred, by my unforgiveness. You're not hurting anybody else, yourself, you're hurting yeah. yourself. Yeah. And the anger you have towards the people is that what is controlling you, it yeah. has that power over you. So what I would like to leave with everybody, the reason why I can do what I do today, being a counselor, uh, author, um, uh, 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 minister of the gospel, and mm. um, doing women camps and all that, I wouldn't be able to do that if I did not forgive. Mm. In, I didn't have the peace. And I think that is the most important thing, you know, to come out of this is that you find yourself in a situation where um, the forgiveness is not just for everybody else, it's also for yourself. And yeah, and I'm so grateful that both of you were able here uh, to come through and to share your story. So thank you so much uh, to the both of you, Vanessa, Felicia. Thank you for opening up and being so honest. These conversations, man, are so necessary. This is such an extraordinary story of two ordinary women. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you thank so you much for having us. Hashtag unpacked with Rele Wichile. Yes. I, like you, still have millions of questions that I'd like to ask, but we'll leave up the details of where you can get more of this amazing and extraordinary story. And it isn't just about being born in prison. It isn't just being arrested like you are a person. You are more than your identity. Who you are is more than the things that happen to you in as much as they form part of your story. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good night. Next time on Unpacked. Uprooting kids when they're growing up mm. is, is very difficult. A lot of people who hate on you or who are jealous, 
um, towards you, literally admire you and wish they could be in that space. Yeah, I love the, the fact that you have such a positive attitude. Did you ever feel like you don't belong? I consider myself a lot more African than just South African or, or Congolese. Thank you so much for watching Unpacked with Rileb Khilema. Make sure you subscribe to my channel where you can get to watch more episodes. But more importantly, you can be part of our online community. Comment down below, share with us who you'd like to see on the show, what story you'd like us to discuss. We love engaging with you. Keep it coming and don't forget to subscribe.